Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast where we interview the stories of entrepreneurs, CEOs, and founders in the SaaS space. My name is Luis. I'm the owner and founder of Fancy Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Jonathan and Yam. Uh, Jonathan is from ClickLab and Yam is from Sest. Uh, one thing I want to mention before they are able to introduce themselves is Jonathan is very kind enough to provide anyone that is listening with a 10% discount uh, on their product. Just mention that you listen to the podcast on the sales call and they'll be able to provide that. And why don't you start us off, um, Yam, with a little bit more about Sest and a little bit more about you. Right, cool. Thanks uh, for having me. I'm super excited. Um, so I'm the co-founder and CEO of, uh, of uh, Zest. A little bit about me. So I'm a little bit over 10, uh, 10 years in the industry already. Um, I founded a web marketing agency 10 years ago, which grew to be a big uh, operation. Um, and in the past few years, I was a CMO in uh, some big uh, um, startup, Israeli startup. Uh, where we raised $18 million and uh, we grew to a staff to be almost 100 people. And in the past two years, um, um, I'm handling 100% of my time uh, with uh, Zest, uh, with a co-founder, which is my CTO. His name is uh, Idan Yarovic. Um, you know, it's a great collaboration between us and we'll probably speak about it later on. Um, that's a little bit about me, about Zest. Um, so we have um, Zest, basically, it's a user-fueled, e-learning uh, platform. So um, we created the cool technology that knows how to distill and match content uh, throughout uh, from the web and to match each, each distilled content for uh, end users. Uh, by that, we create a perfect le- micro-learning experience for again, each end user. So we are actually fighting content overload and information overload and all those um, um, you know, bad, bad uh, worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and um, eventually what we create is like a professional growth experience for um, each of our users. Uh, they don't need to look for content uh, on the web. And technology itself uses a community uh, or, or crowdsource wisdom, we can say. So the content that gets distilled in is actually being suggested by other, uh, by other users. And um, then we have machine learning, which learns the whole uh, content, if it's all added value or not. And eventually, um, if the machine don't know, it had sent queries again to the community, ask them a few questions about the given content. And again, um, if the content is good, it's been distilled in, then we are matching the content for each and, and the user. Uh, we have 80,000 um, uh, users, all in all, 20,000 uh, monthly active users, 15, uh, sorry, 13,000 um, weekly active users. Um, we do have revenue channels, we'll speak about them later on. Um, and I think that that's about it as far as it relates to that. We'll just mention that um, currently we are um, targeting only the marketing vertical, so there is only marketing-related content um, uh, on the distillery uh, or on the Zest uh, stream. And I think that that's about it all in all. That's awesome. It sounds like a great product and I've actually used it a little bit. I went in there and played around and it seems like it's very robust as far as all the, you know, different things that you can do in there. Um, and we'll, I, I think we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a sec. Uh, why don't we get Jonathan to introduce yourself and ClickLab as well? Hey, first of all, thanks a lot for having me as well. I'm very excited to be here with you and the Um A bit about myself. So I'm coming from a background in mostly technology and business, like how to connect um, business with technology to help business goals. Um, for 16 years, I would say, uh, last time I counted back. Um, 
ClickUp was founded three years ago uh, with uh, my partner, uh, Arya Zaks. Uh, he's the CTO, I'm the CEO. And um, I think, you know, it's a good uh, opportunity to speak here with you and Yam because we are all about content marketing and inbound, and that's also what ClickUp is. So if Zest would be like, you know, the, the place where people find the content and, you know, when you look at inbound strategy, uh, companies try to share content to get traffic to the site. We come in where traffic comes into the site and we help those people coming in get what they need um, by providing a tool that kind of predicts and applies what's the next best action for each of the visitors. So you could think about it like, you know, Netflix for B2B where, you know, you, you come in and you want to see which movies you want to see. So we find you which content you want to see. But what's unique there is that we highly focus on driving to business goals. So kind of the machine learning that we have behind the stage uses the content, but it also learns when is the best timing to try and engage with the visitor and get them to convert. So one of our mantras is, you know, marketing has changed a lot and we need to change it more to be more user experience, more friendly in the way we do it. Today, it's very harsh the way websites work, right? Pop-ups jumping all over, gated assets, really annoying. We're trying to change this game and to make it more um, visitor-friendly, user-friendly, and know what people are looking for and when is the right time to engage with them. So that's kind of what the product does. That's very cool. Yeah, that's definitely, you You touched on a couple of points that are very true, um, just as far as marketing and things like that, and people pretty much being, um, you know, they're, they're being not disrupted in a good way. So they're just being, I guess, they're being interrupted, right? They're trying to do something online, and then you see this pop-up come up or you see something else come up on the website and things like that. And I think using AI technology to kind of understand exactly where that user is in the journey um, is extremely valuable to really helping them and the business owner too make the best decision. Um, and not, I'm not entirely sure again on how, you know, the back end of everything looks like, but for my example, for my understanding so far, you use, you know, certain interactions on the website and things like that to give the business owner, um, an idea of when the best time to reach out and ask a question about a specific feature that they might be looking at um, and things like that. So it's very, I, I can see that being a very powerful um, way to use technology and, and AI and things like that to, to, you know, and to bring more people closer to you inbound. Um, so that's really cool. And now what, it, what is, you know, Obviously, growing a business is extremely hard, uh, and a lot of people don't realize this. And now, being an entrepreneur is a very, uh, you know, it's it's something that everyone wants to do, but it's not as it's it's easier said than done. So, what are some of the issues that each of you ran across when first starting off? Um, all right, I'll start. So, I think that um, uh, first probably issues. Um, and I really try to um, uh, to go a little bit um, uh, back in time because um, the the obvious answer will be to get your first users, right? To get your alpha testers, to get your beta testers, to see how you build, how you are um, trying to accomplish product market uh, fit, especially in the early in the, in the early days. Um, but you know, in this perspective, I think we can go even a little bit uh, more backwards and to um, trying to understand how we can create a solid or, or concrete kind of a vision so it will be easier for you to deliver the message uh, of your value proposition of what you intend to, to provide to your, uh, to your users. So then um, how to acquire those, uh, those alpha testers or beta testers and your first users 
um, it should be more tactical. And we can speak about these tactics as well, but I think that uh, the more, uh, the more uh, unite and tight that you will uh, come with your idea and, and vision, uh, probably will be easier, easier for you to then execute and undertake your strategy. Uh, for instance, when I'm, I'm mentoring a few startups, I'm asking them, first of all, even if they are not fundraising, if they, if they don't have any kind of fundraising efforts, just to create a deck. Uh, you know, you have this uh, Guy Kawasaki 10 slides template and stuff like that. So it's something that, uh, it's not for investors, it's just for the team, first of all, to try and sharpen up the messages and value proposition, better understand the pain, the pain points of the, um, uh, of the targeted audience. So I, I would say, first of all, come, uh, uh, come chewed, you know, come ready uh, with all the things, that, with all the messages that you want to deliver and all the, the answers that probably you will be questioned by your users, slash investors, slash whoever will come with any kind of friction uh, with your product. What about you, Yonatan? So I, I think, you know, looking back, um, when people decide to start their entrepreneurship kind of journey, um, they don't really realize what they're getting into. Um, no, it's true, you know, I started it so late, true. some people started it earlier. Um, we, we really don't know, we are hearing, you know, 5% succeed or even less, um, it's a roller coaster and all that, but that, that doesn't scare, you know, anyone at the early stage and that's good because otherwise maybe you wouldn't have started it from the first place, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but I think that when, when looking at this and, and when thinking on how to approach this, it's, it's about the experience and about running fast forward as much as you can and not like trying to get everything done perfectly um, on the one hand. On the other hand, you need to be very precise with what you do and how you make decisions. Uh, and as long as you take the decisions and you go quick, that's kind of the way around it. Um, I can tell you that we like didn't do it in the beginning. We listened a lot. We learned, but kind of, you know, I, I have great experience in other areas. I was never a CEO. I was never an entrepreneur before I started. And it's kind of learning a total new domain while you need to run very fast forward and, and you need to be aware of it and you need to understand that you know nothing and you need to learn and you need to push forward and you need to get the advice and on the other hand, take your own decisions and not too much rely on others because again, it's your business. So that's kind of the things that you need to be realizing. And as long as you are focused and you understand that that's the situation that you don't know everything and that you're going a lot into the shade and the places that you're not familiar with and you're good with it, then more likely you will have chances for success. And lastly, don't be afraid that you heard, I think on another podcast and I, I truly agree with it on another one of your podcasts. Um, Pivoting is, is part of the game, learning how the market goes. Um, in marketing specifically, with, you know, it's a red ocean, so many products out there. I think today it's more than 7,000 logos out there dealing with something about marketing. Um, the market is very dynamic. Technology is changing very fast and you will probably be changing all the time. It's not like deep, deep technology that you, you know, can stick for long. You need to adjust yourself to the market. So these are kind of, you know, the basic tips. It might be very, um, you know, macro, but, um, but I think it's the way to start before you dive in. Absolutely. And you touched on, on that, you know, that, that was mentioned in the previous podcast and it's just understanding that you're going to have to pivot fast. Um, it's just, it's inevitable. Um, you know, obviously things change very, very quickly, specifically in this industry, SaaS marketing, uh, just anything that's digital things happen left and right literally every single day that you 
maybe are aware of, um, but you're probably not aware of. By the time you know that something's already happening, you're probably already behind. Um, so it's very similar to the stock market where once you get the signal, it's already too late to be making any sort of big change or move. Um, so it's just really understanding where things are going and listening to what's going on around you to see what you're going to have to change, how you're going to have to pivot, um, and really understanding how you're going to find the solution, right? Essentially, that's what it's all about is finding a solution uh, to a specific issue or a need that someone is having somewhere. And hopefully more than just one person um, is having that problem. So you might have a problem, but it's, if it's just specific to you, then you're not going to be doing much of an impact. Um, but if you can pinpoint, you know, a bigger issue that is affecting a lot of people and no one or not many are either taking action on it or actually identifying that problem, they're going to be very successful if you act on it. So that's something else that you also mentioned is actually taking action. A lot of people, you know, they have all these ideas. Oh, I thought of Uber before Uber happened. Yeah, but you didn't do anything about it. Um, so it's just, you know, understanding the opportunity, but actually having what it takes to, to go forward with it. Um, and uh, so I, I kind of want to pivot here into talking a little bit more about market fit and, and how, you know, each one of you found that. Um, yeah, I think that product market fit is um, a never-ending story, right? Um, if it ends, it means that the market is ending and uh, something is bad. But um, I think that uh, because everything is, is, you know, involved and um, you need to adapt. And then in some point, you need, that's a tipping point, you need to lead. You need to lead, to lead the change after you have some, you know, a good um, slice of your targeted audience is already um, educated about your, uh, about your solution. But I think that um, what, what works for us eventually or maybe even to start with, is that um, because, because our product is so uh, community-based and um, it's what people call today um, network effect kind of product, so um, the users actually are integrated within, within the product itself. And quite early we understood that um, the product cannot evolve and we cannot get any sort of fit with the market if we will not integrate those users, not just with the solution itself, but also with the mindset and the growth process um, and our own roadmap uh, um, because we need to have some sort of a high friction with those users, uh, with those early users that we had. Um, so from early stages, we, we built um, an MAB, which is a member advisory board. Um, we started with a few, um, um, with few members. Today we have um, a high dozens of them. Um, some of them are CMOs, some of them are juniors, some of them are uh, more in the sales um, uh, vertical, some of them are hardcore marketing, some of them are product. And again, it's very, um, you know, it's a, like a huge demog demographics of different professionals. And um, what we got, um, you know, the insights that we got from those uh, uh, people, I think probably helped us to decrease product market fit uh, by, few, uh, by few months. Again, it's not that we are there as far as related to product market fit. But um, uh, the fact that um, there are dozens of more professionals who actually use our product on a daily and weekly basis, and they are integrated and they are fully involved with the way that we create the roadmap, and they, if we are creating new landing pages, so um, they give us feedback about the, the unique value proposition and about the structure of the page. So you have your own users who are professionals in, way, in their own kind, and of course for the, our targeted vertical, and they actually feedback you and they create um, uh, some sort of uh, a really, really fast back and forth uh, movement between the company and the product 
and them as, as users. And today we actually excelled it. We, 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 today we have a lot of micro tribes of people who help, who help us test new things and we, in which we uh, consulted with. So as a business model, um, whether we need, we need to um, uh, improve our uh, weekly digest newsletter, the individualized newsletter that we have, and so on and so forth. These people, not just, uh, they're not helping just for you know, um, um, getting the, the product market fit in a shorter uh, span of time, but they also carry the message uh, of Zest, you know, and every other place. So it's, the, it's in their workplace. Um, it can be that they mention us in blogs and write about us in PR and huge publications. So there is a lot of added value uh, for that. So the bottom line from what I, from my perspective is get, is get all the automated, uh, or most of the automated tools that you use, that everyone tell you use in automation and do things that scale. So I really against that. I think that um, if you use those kind of automation platforms, right at the beginning, you're creating some sort of buffer between you and your users. And that's a little bit stupid because you really want to get as much friction, good friction, with your users and to hear how they speak about your uh, solution and what kind of keywords they, uh, they use and all this and all that. So I think, you know, get rid of most of the automation stuff that you have, uh, um, get your hands dirty, you know, with feedback and uh, try to create those kind of advisory boards or just people who can uh, feedback you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really think that it will help you to show, to make the whole product market fit time shorter. Yeah, that's actually very valuable information. Um, and then I, I think you touched on the fact that it's building a community, right? And having all the people in pretty much the same spot and, and having them interact with each other and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's cool because you've almost created a sort of new social media platform, but it's driven and it's not like LinkedIn or Facebook or really anything that I've seen before. Um, but it's just purely content. And again, it's just based off of things that you want to learn, want to listen to uh, or watch and, and so on. But, I think one of the big things that I've been noticing, and I think other people have noticed this too, and I'm sure you have, is that a lot of marketing um, is going towards very a very community slash group based um, ecosystem where you bring people together, right? And this is, I mean, it's, it is very macro. Obviously, Facebook brought people together, Twitter brought people together, but it's it's it seems like it's more so in a very niched. Um, perspective where everyone is learning about the same thing together everyone is you know understanding kind of like the same topics and you mentioned that you had a lot of marketers a lot of people yeah. in the last industry I mean essentially they're all learning about the same thing um, a lot of it is marketing um, but I like the fact that you mentioned you know trying to have good friction with with your prospects with you with just people overall um, and a lot of the things that happen in the SaaS industry are automated um, a lot of it is just you do this, something gets triggered, this happens and so on. And, and, and just, you know, thinking of it the other way around makes a lot of sense, too, because essentially people like to connect with people. Um, they like relationships. And, and that's essentially what's most valuable. And I think where, you know, the Internet should really come in is connecting more people, not having robots do everything for them, yeah. um, essentially. I think that you know in this perspective um, um, about this one about this specific uh, subject is that um, at the early stage you really need a lot of brain power. Um, you know you can call it micro tribes, you can call it member advisory board, whatever. You just need more brains to help you, um, and not just to grow, but to think about the whole solution and pain and proposition thing that we discussed uh, uh, before. And you need to grow like your way to think how you can have more brains that will help you 
to think uh, about your product, about the proposition, solution, strategy, tactics, game plan, and so on and so forth. So whatever works for um, each one of the, of the uh, you know, the watchers. So uh, that's quite individual, but um, just think how we can have more brains to help you. Those are like micro tools or right. some sort of way. And if, if you're collecting all this feedback, um, you know, from people on, on the platform, on the, on the software, is there some sort of incentive for them to give it to you? Uh, you know, it's, it's obviously, it's something I think that a lot of companies struggle with. Everyone tells you get feedback, learn from your customers, listen to what they're saying. They, I mean, they've, yeah. they have all the answers, but it's easier said than done again. You, you can't just throw, you know, uh, some NPS survey and expect everyone to fill it out. I can answer your question regarding YAM because I'm, uh, um, you know, I'm a savvy follower and I can tell you that yeah. what's interesting about how they build their community as, as a member in the community is that it's all about transparency and value eventually. And when you are transparent and you provide authentic content and share everything, people kind of give back. And, and I think that's the core thing exactly. here. So that, that's how they've been operating. And that, that's how it, I see, you know, whenever Yam is posting something, all the engagement, both myself and, you know, many hundreds and thousands of other people are happy to, to give back what they're doing. Essentially, <laughs> um, being vulnerable is very, very, it's, People don't like being vulnerable and it seems like, you know, what are people going to think of me and things like that. And people are always self-conscious about putting yourself out there in a specific way. But I think being vulnerable really brings light into how good you actually are as, a, as an individual and the, the yeah. things that kind of change. And people like that. Again, it's just people, it's human to human, um, right? Relationships. So being vulnerable and just putting it out there and actually engaging with people, which you actually touched on as well, is just removing the automated part from it. Um, so essentially, you know, that helps you. But I guess the question is, what do they get out of it? Um, you know, I, I'll just in depth in what um, Jonathan said. First of all, about being vulnerable. So that's totally cool. In the, on the vulnerable spectrum, just remember that uh, there is um, one side of it is very authentic. The other side of it is what we call a uh, struggle porn. So you have a lot yeah. of stuff on LinkedIn right now in the past few uh, months. And I think it's where, that it, where it's starting to lose the, the authenticity uh, already um, about what people get from it. So that's exactly, uh, you know, that's what works for us. And Jonathan mentioned it is that um, once you give a lot, and you really, we really gave a lot. And uh, we're still giving as far as it relates to added value. So people are coming to the platform. And they feel that they are, um, um, they're not fighting noise anymore. You know, there is good content they consume on a daily or, or hourly uh, basis. They're getting improved in what they do. They don't need to scout for content anywhere place. And um, all, the, all the communication, uh, whether it's uh, the one-on-one -on -one communication or the automated communication or the social media communication that we have, is based on three pillars. Uh, we call it the VAT methodology. So it's vulnerable, most of it. It's vulnerable, uh, authentic, and transparent. And we can speak about a lot of examples uh, that we use and, uh, and others use. So I think that uh, once you give a lot of added value from one end and you're being human in the way that you communicate with the tribe or with your followers, so there is something, uh, there is a big synergy that's been created um, because you're delivering authentic messages that it's really easy to engage with. And people just want to be part uh, of what you do. Of course, you need to be super clear 
with your mission, vision, and also um, who you fight against. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, your proposition and everything else. So you need to wrap everything up together, speak about those, uh, speak about those things, and again, give a lot of added value with your product. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if, if, I may, if I may add to this, like, if you look today at marketing, it's kind of lost its way, I think, in, in, a, in a way, okay? Um, content marketing was very successful at the beginning and today everyone is doing it and doing it the same. And it's been kind of getting boring and saying more of the same. And it's very hard to do things differently. And um, people are looking, you know, to, to real things, to the real people, to the real um, information that we can share. And that's kind of taking marketing back to the basics of where it was in the very early beginning of thinking about the customer and the value and not just about our company and ourselves and how to get more traffic, but actually the traffic will come once you, you give them the value. And I think that's what's adding up um, content marketing today and you know why people see value in this and one, why people prefer one site versus the other or one um, kind of content strategy versus the other on site because those that kind of figure out how to bring, and, and it may sound obvious, but it's not, how to bring true value is, is the way today to work out with all the noise out there. And it's getting harder and harder from every day, you know, and people are trying to copy each other and it's, it's becoming, becoming again not authentic. So you need to be very, very creative here in how you do your marketing, understand your traffic, or your target audience, and then it will generate traffic. Absolutely. And that's actually something I, I'm pretty sure I heard this in a podcast that I was listening to earlier today. And it's just about, you know, what kind of value, um, what kind of content to put out? Obviously, I mean, you can go and literally just put out whatever piece of PDF you want as a download or whatever blog post. But how do you know that's going to actually carry any value to your end user um, or who you want to be attracting more? Um, and I think there's a lot of pieces that go into that, essentially understanding, you know, what the person needs, what they're trying to accomplish, both on a personal and also on a business um, perspective. Uh, and, and I think tying both of those together, whether it's business and, and personal, the, the more you can tie those together, I think the more valuable the content piece or whatever it is that you put out there is going to become, just because you're hitting on two very important things for that specific individual. Um, so maybe you can, you can say, you know, if you're talking about productivity or something like that, what can you do to be productive that's gonna also give you more time to spend with your family uh, instead of just how to be productive in a business um, you know, standpoint? Obviously, work-life balance is extremely important for people, so I think talking about both would kind of hit on um, something that is more valuable to someone. The truth is that it's very hard and it's very, you know, specific by, by uh, industry and by company, eventually. Um, I, I always like to say that I'm, I'm, I'm guessing and measuring. So as long as you measure like quality, qualitative measurements of engagement and how people are reading it and engaging with the content, um, that's the first step to start with. But being more specific, like the, the thing is that I would say in most industries, everything has been said like in the generic way, right? What's different is how you do things in terms of um, sharing more about your data and benchmarks and stuff that keeps uh, changing, um, tactics or strategies that you know are very unique to what you're doing um, that people can replicate in your domain. 
these are the kind of things that people are looking at and they kind of um, change from time to time and they're not like repeating themselves. You know, um, in marketing specifically, like there's all those um, influencers like Neil Patel and others that have said everything already, you know, that there is to be said in the marketing area. So how can you refresh? There's a lot of places to refresh, but you need to be very, very specific to what your audience is looking for and how to help them improve uh, and be very data driven. And I would say that's at least in the marketing arena, what's working best. Absolutely. That's true. I think that also, by the way, uh, if we speak about um, content um, type, for instance, not form, I'm not talking about ebooks, white papers, podcasts, and so on and so forth, but type of content. So think what's interesting um, uh, other people. And I believe that um, um, if most of us, um, and that's, prob- that's actually the, the strategy that we took at Zest. So um, we understood that our best content um, is authentic, of course. But how you create authentic content, you don't need to think about what is the next blog um, uh, that, you, that you want to publish um, or what, the ne- what is the next social uh, media post that you want to publish. Just we decided we were going to do some sort of, to use a documentary kind of um, um, aspects. So we understood that each, way, each day we are going through things that actually um, interest, might interest a lot of people that are going through the same way as we are. Uh, whether it's our end users, whether it's our uh, clients, whether it's our uh, colleagues, whether it's other entrepreneurs, and even if entrepreneurs are not our targeted audience. And then we, um, you know, I, I understood it from speaking with a few startups, and then I told them about the way that we, let's say, came up with the way that we um, uh, went and uh, strategized our uh, pre-seed uh, round. Then they said that, wow, the whole story is, is, is interesting. And we, I don't think we invented something new, we just did it with a few uh, other uh, techniques. Um, and we understood that each day we're actually experiencing something that is super um, interesting uh, for others. And that's what, where we started to tell our stories and mindset and thought processes and all that, uh, whether on medium publication that we own or on social media posts. And this content stick. It means that really those, uh, those uh, readers are really uh, engaged with this uh, content and it's been shared and having a lot of exposure. Um, just today, I met someone uh, that came for a meeting with me. Um, he was 25 minutes uh, uh, late, but the conversation was great. Like in 20 minutes, we provided a lot of added value for each other. And I told him, you know what? Because we discussed about self-branding. You should post it. You should just post it on, on this great story on, on, link, on your own LinkedIn, how you um, uh, struggled with traffic and how you were late for an important meeting in 25 minutes. And eventually, you managed to pull it off and get a lot, a lot of added value from that, and I got a lot of added value for that, and every, everyone was happy. That's a really micro moment uh, that is really, really authentic. Everybody can engage with it, and it's quite, actually, it's quite interesting. So um, that's, you know, that's one, uh, two cents from, from my end. Very cool. No, I totally agree with everything that you guys just said. Um, and to kind of talk a little bit on a different um, item here is, what has been the biggest accomplishment, um, you know, as far as starting your companies and then for each one of you, obviously, what's, what's something that you're very, very proud of? Jonathan, you want to go first? <laughs> sure. Um, so, you know, I, I think eventually at our stage, it's a lot of uh, small wins, but if I try to kind of think what the biggest one is, is the fact that we are, um, still running and, and still running nicely for three years. Um, I would say um, half of the time we were bootstrapping, uh, very tough times in terms of financials. Um, and then uh, after 
we, we got the seed, you know, things moved faster. But eventually it's a survival kind of um, stage between um, the point you started. Uh, you know, people are saying after round B, you start feeling more safe. Um, I don't know, I haven't been there yet. But um, the fact that we were able to pivot on time and to make the changes and, and there were bad times that we came out, out, out of, um, being very um, confident in, in, in our way and in what we want to do, I think that's the main success. It was, I can tell you that the exact moment was right after we finished an accelerator and we understood that what we are doing is not going to get any, any um, kind of uh, business model. We had like 2,000 users, free users, but they weren't the, the kind of customers we wanted and we had to shift and we had no money. Um, but we came up with the idea and we went all the way through it and we actually found on that occasion the, 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 the um, VC that found, uh, funded us and, and you know, things got better there. So you, you know, it's small wins that get you to where you are um, and I think that that's kind of the way I look at it. I try to find the small things that make me feel that things are moving in the right direction. And you, you have to, I mean, there's, there's so many moving things all the time and you know, there's, there's always going to be setbacks, um, whether we like it or not, they're always going to be there. And it's just, it's almost how you take them. It's just failing forward, you know, learning from, from what happens, understanding that you either need something different or you have to switch something. Like you said, you had customers, but they weren't the kind of customers that you wanted. And I think that's very, very important with pretty much any sort of business that you have. Um, if you, it, it almost drags you down as an individual um, because it doesn't fulfill you if you're not happy with what you're doing. So I think just understanding, you know, is this the perfect customer? Is this who I really want to be working with? Um, you know, and it's just, it's obviously, it's just all about being happy with what you're doing and, and feeling fulfilled. And if that's not what's going on um, with the company, I think then, there's really no point to be doing it. That's true. I, I think that uh, Jonathan's uh, pivot story is, uh, is, worth, is worth get another, even another podcast. Because, uh, <laughs> it's super inspiring, and I think that um, many, uh, many um, entrepreneurs are experiencing it, um, either, uh, and, and either sharing it publicly, as uh, Jonathan is doing, although only a handful of them do that. Um, and most of them are not doing it. And anyway, as entrepreneurs, uh, most of us are getting into uh, mini pivots, probably, you know, each quarter. No, Jonathan, that you, you know, you can choose either right. At least, at least. <laughs> at least, right, yeah, just to be nice. Um, and you, you can, you can uh, shift the whole ship, you know, towards the, you know, towards the end right, and you don't know what, what will happen. So that's something that is really inspiring. I think that as far as it's concerned, um, to, uh, you know, to my, um, the way that when I felt success or, or some sort of peak with, with Zest is that um, um, it's, it's not the growth and, and, and not the all, you know, um, uh, you know uh, brave stories uh, uh, and all that for about, you know, performance and activity uh, and all that. I think that in the moment um, um, that, that I got, I think it was the first feedback, um, the first good feedback after a lot of months of work. Um, that um, we got a lot of bad feedback. Um, it was a good feedback in a manner that we understood that we actually changing lives um, uh, for our end users. And uh, when we stick to that and we, we try to better understand, to crack open the formula of what happened to this specific user and then to try and duplicate the same experience to other, others, that's where you, it's like, you know, um, um, 
like when the atom is being cracked, right? So you get a lot of uh, heat and, and light, and we got really, um, really good and nice moments from that. Um, I think that it's um, it's it's good for everyone, like for every entrepreneur probably, to understand that uh, or to get to this point that the solution is not just another tool for um, increase your professional knowledge or to um, to share and convert better uh, marketing content or, or or whatever the platform or tool actually does. I think that um, you need to understand and to dig in a little bit deeper to uh, to know what you actually solve for your for your users. As far as we're concerned, we know that you're making their professional lives or professional knowledge to be in the perfect kind of experience, uh, experience-based graph um, of just becoming better professionals of what they do, and increase the noise that they have um, in their life. And I think that if any entrepreneur will get into this really bottom line of what they changed in the, their users' um, uh, minds, what, what makes them stick but as human beings, not as utilities or as users. Uh, so it's a sweet point where you really want to hang in because um, as Jonathan said, some, uh, uh, you have a lot of time, time, uh, tough times uh, when you ship this boat. Uh, you know, there's rough uh, waters. So uh, when, the, when the water gets uh, too, uh, too white, you really want to hang tight in this sweet point or this warm point that you know that you're actually changing lives of others. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, those are both very good answers. And uh, I actually wanted to mention the fact that, you know, and you, you mentioned decreasing the noise uh, on people's lives and things like that. And there was a point in time not too long ago where I went on Facebook and it's just all, it's all these things that I honestly didn't care about. Right. And it's just like all these silly things like memes and stuff like yeah. that. I'm trying to become a better individual. Uh, on a both personal basis, business basis, I just want to learn things and, and actually put valuable information into my head um, that I can use for whatever it may be, just valuable stuff. And I just kept seeing all these silly things and stuff like that. And so I decided, you know, to remove the noise, what I did was pretty much get rid of every single friend that I had on there that I didn't really care about. Essentially, I, I guess I'm trying to say I wish I would have found Cess before that. Um, yeah. No, it's uh, it's really it's 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 true. You know, it's just making someone's lives easier uh, and just better, more valuable. Honestly, yeah. if they're going assessed, um, they're gonna find some sort of value on there because they this just they're going there for a reason, and that reason is to learn something new. Um, so I like that a lot. And uh, with that, we actually we touched on vulnerability a little bit too. And so I want us you guys to be a little vulnerable on the podcast um so why don't you tell me something that you're not very good at yourself i don't think we have enough time for that but um yeah. I, I can <laughs> i can select a few things that i know that uh, i need to improve and i'm work. i'm doing my best you know i'm um to, to get better i'm i'm kind of a freestyle person and i think this is an seo as SEO with you, I'm I'm, I'm missing uh, marketing and and, um, <laughs> and business CEO. As a CEO, uh, you you can't be too much freestyle. You need to be like uh, more organized and stuff like that. So that's definitely one of the things. Um, th- there are so many things that you know you 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 make mistakes over and over again. If you want to be very specific, um, I think that we we thought that we. We had a good understanding of, of the the problem at the very early stage um, when before we pivoted, and we 
we said like, hey, this is amazing. And we, we didn't look like too much into the spectrum of the competition at the beginning because we said no one did it before. And we actually didn't find it in the, you know, in the very early beginning by searching. And then once we met, I remember the, the, the point where it happened. I met, we met the Yam Nozim, Roy Povarchik, and we were telling him, uh, he's a growth hacker. What what we're doing? He said, "Hey, did you look at that company?" And they said, "No, I, I didn't find it." When it was exactly the same, and you know, I I felt that the the world broke down. Um, and then people started telling us, you know, there is like, um, it's good that you have competition and that you're not only there the ones. And finally, we pivoted from that direction. So there were like afterwards like 15 or 20 products doing just the same, uh-huh. uh, very quickly. So. You know, I think that the fact that I know that I don't know is, is my vulnerability, but the place where I know that um, I can improve and I, I'm very like into things that understanding where, where I'm not understanding and finding the right people to get the, you know, the feedback from to yeah. prevent mistakes. Very cool. Yeah. I think that my weakest point is that I'm the best um, micromanager in the world. <laughs> it's crazy and I, I, I hate it. And my team know it. Um, they helped me to, um, um, you know, they did an intervention, and they're, they're trying to help me um, to get out of this um, bad addiction um, uh, of mine. And I think that um, um, it, it happened in the past as well a lot when I was um, um, either an advisor or when I was an in-house CMO for five years. So it happened over there as well. But when you have your own um, uh, initiative and when you um, own some sort of, um, you have a lot of responsibilities, that's for sure, but you also own a lot of um, communication to your uh, backers, right? To your investors and all that. So this is where, uh, as far as it's concerned to me, it really tickled me in the right or in the wrong places, right? And then you get even uh, more compulsive um, uh, upon uh, others. And I think that um, that's, um, because you know it's yours, and you know how to uh, write things, and how to tell the story, and how to what's bad, how, how it's good to communicate with users, and you know everything. Um, uh, or, or so, so you think. Eventually, eventually, you see that, um, um, and, and I experience it in many other uh, companies that I manage. Is that um, when you when you bring people, you give them the responsibility. Of course, they will fuck up a little bit uh, here and there, exactly like you like you did in the beginning. Um, but once you give them the, um, you know, the right um, um, ingredients to grow, uh, they will do it far better than, uh, far more better than, than you will ever do it. Um, and, and that's clear. It's something that I'm practicing. I'm telling to you, it, I'm telling to you now in order to practice it. Right? That's the, um, that's the thing. And I think that's one of my biggest um, uh, weaknesses. And I think that I'm trying to work on it at the moment. It's part of my um, resolutions for the, for next year. Um, and I really hope that we'll meet next year, and they will see, I will tell you that I'm, you know, that I'm uh, uh, sober for uh, <laughs> a month. <laughs> That's great. No, I think it's important um, for not just you know people in, in the SaaS space or business or whatever, but I think it's important for everyone to at least understand what their weakness is. Um, if if they don't want to do anything about it, that's a different story. But if they if they know that it's there and they're actually working to, you know, overcoming whatever that may be, I think it's important. Uh, and I think it talks about, you know, it, it also talks to someone being a good leader. Um, essentially, it's just knowing, you know, what you fail at. Um, and that's okay. We're not, we're human. We're not going to do everything perfectly. We're not going to be able to, you know, delegate as, as best as we want to. It's hard to do that, especially 
you know, when you think back to it and, and for example, for you, Yamp, I think, like you said, it's, it's your kind of thing. It's your, you created it. And uh, as much as you can say that, obviously it's not always true. You know, everyone that is under you that you are overlooking, they've all helped to create the product that Cess is today or uh, ClickLab is today. So there's always, you know, you like to, we like to think um, that it was us that did everything and we've done every single thing that grew this thing. Um, but it's not always the case. And no matter how you look at it, there's always many, many people involved, whether it's someone that supported you in the beginning and actually told you that you could do it. Um, that's already someone helping you in the right direction. Um, maybe it's not direct, but it's there. Um, so I think it's just being able to identify those types of things um, from early, as early on, as early on as possible is important. Um, just as a, you know, self-development kind of point of view. Yes. So, if there's one piece of advice that you guys would give to any SaaS founder out there, what would that be? <laughs> yeah, I'm you go first. <laughs> only, only one? Um, yeah, try to... If they needed one, if, they, if this is the one thing you could tell anyone. Um, it would be too fluff, but um, make sure that you choose the right... Um, um, the right co-founders. Um, I think that I did a great choice. Um, that's for you know for early, early stages, and I think that um, again probably a little, a little bit a little bit um, uh, chewed, but make sure that you make the right uh, hires in the, in the in the right time. Does that mean that they? Uh, do, that, that? Does that mean that you believe that everyone should have a co-founder? Um, of, of course not, because again it's it's all about uh, biologies, right? All of us. Are, uh, comprising different kinds of biology, so no mathematics and the right, and the right formula. I know that for me, it definitely uh, was a necessity, although I didn't think like that in the beginning, um, not because uh, of my current co-founder, but because when I had the idea of this, I thought, yeah, you know, I will do it by myself. And uh, after a while, I, of course, understood that I must have uh, someone with me, not just professionally wise, but also for personal aspects and, and, and just to maintain each other, you know, it's a, it's a, um, it's a lot of work and it's a necessity in, uh, in this kind of um, initiative. And I think that um, uh, just to know when to get the right people on board, because sometimes you can bring in someone who's too senior and you are not that very right for that, or your product is not right for that. And sometimes you are being, uh, you can be more, uh, you can lean towards getting more juniors because you don't have a lot of money or stuff like that. But that can be super harmful uh, for, for business, for the growth. So um, I think that, you know, as far as I relate for my, and my advice is just um, construct your team uh, well and on the right timing. Um, that's probably would be it. Great. Jonathan? I would say what I'm going to say is easier said than done. And um, I'm, I'm being specific on the SaaS area and it's not for all the SaaS products, but basically we were being taught that the first thing we need to start thinking about is how to raise money. And I think that's uh, the wrong approach um, as long as you can do it. Um, once you have investors and you have people in your board, um, it gets less to be your kind of decision. Again, it really depends how the investment goes and how many people in the board. But, but basically, as long as you own everything, you know, 100% of, of your company, then you have the ability to make changes quicker and faster and in the way that you believe it. And more people coming in, the more complex it becomes. So 
try to get to the point where you raise money um, when you're ready to grow or when you really need it because um, you will be losing a lot of learning opportunities um, that you won't have when you you know when you have investors that are, have um, uh, on one hand the same agenda as you and on the other uh, less time than you would like to have in some cases so that's something to take into consideration and not run after the money too soon I think that's something that I didn't know when we started we always looked for you know how can we you know, get it, but it took us longer than we wanted, and it, the fact was that it was better because if we raised money with a previous product, we would have been closed by now. Mm-hmm. And I think if we had a VC inside. Yeah, I think you know, kind of the big piggyback off of what you said is not thinking so much about the money at the beginning, um, but thinking about the product and and the solution that it brings more than anything, right? Um, if, you, if, if you can't find the right solution, then the money's not gonna do anything, no matter how much you have it. Well, you know, it's, it's hard to be like uh, too uh, broad, you know, with, with this kind of um, comment or advice. Um, but basically, if you think about it, like just like there's a product market fit, there's also, a, you would say, an investment fit, right? Uh, investors don't jump in very early. Uh, in many cases, the angels do, investors really, depends, VCs, like, depends what stage they invest in. Um, but they want to see, like, um, something happening. And, and even if you look, you know, maybe Zest's case is, is more um, familiar because Yam is been sharing much more than I did in the early stages. But, and Yam, correct me if I'm wrong, at least from what I've been looking at, is that they really... Uh, made it to a point where everyone in the industry kind of knew them. And then it was, uh, again, the process of the fundraising was, um, was amazing by itself. I don't know if you, you saw it, but basically the process was in a place that they could start choosing kind of which pieces they want to stick with and not the other way around. And you always prefer to be in that position rather than running after anyone that will give you money. And yeah. you can only do that when you have a good position in where your product is. So try to get there at least before the first big round yeah. in a way that you could be as strong as possible. Absolutely. And not just for the sake of your stock, but also for, you know, cutting the, uh, the time it takes to get the investment and the effort and, and finding the right investor that can really bring value and the ability to choose. That, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. What are your thoughts on, on investments, uh, Yam? Um, again, it's, it's not the one size fits all. Um, I, think, I think it's really related to, um, you know, if, if you can bootstrap uh, your company, probably I think it's a great, uh, it's a great, it's a great way to do that. Uh, we were bootstrap almost um, um, one year and a half, something like that, till we got to a critical mass uh, of users. And then we started there to do um, fundraising round. Um, I, I think that, you know, again, um, we saw it from our perspective of how we can acquire more brains to help us to undertake what we're going to undertake because we understood after we had this critical mass of users, it is going to be um, a hell of a ride, you can say, because we, we knew that we need to have more people who already been there and done that. Uh, who led huge companies, who um, have been through a few exits before, who been through or who, who led a few IPOs before. And uh, we knew that we were going to aim really, really um, a high. And um, a, in order to do that, 
uh, it's not just having advisors or stuff like that. We wanted someone that will really help us to carry the weight or how we say to push the bow up the mountain, right? It's <laughs> a thing. You cannot, you need people that will help you to push the boat. You cannot push it and then also drag someone uh -huh. from you. Um, so this is why we choose a little bit different kind of um, fundraising methodology. And we actually, um, in, in a certain amount of time, we were able to reverse the, the whole methodology. So they were after us. Uh, that's, I think it's, it's not a short story how, how we did it, but we can continue sometime else. Um, I think that that's, that's, a, that's how you, it's not just the money that those people will bring in, mm -hmm. uh, uh, because in many cases the, the money can hold you back or hold you down um, if you're not bringing, bringing in the, the right investor. It's really related to the team tip that I had before. So just know who you're bringing in because you're bringing, you know, it's, um, you're bringing in partners. Uh -huh. um, it's not bringing in employees or, or staff or team. So it's really, you really need to know who you're bringing in and what will be the added value to your, um, uh, to your own startup, of course. So it's all about the brains comes in. That's great. That's great advice. And I've got a couple more questions for you guys. Um, f first, what are, and I've never actually asked this question. I thought a bit, uh, just a little bit ago, but <laughs> if, if what, what is one SaaS company that each of you looks up to? Not founder, but just companies. Um, I think it will be the usual. No, Jonathan, probably. Um, I love uh, Drift for, uh, for obvious reasons, for, for, for different reasons. I love uh, um, Intercom. And I think the, the best one that you can um, uh, look up to is probably um, uh, Slack. Um, you know, I, I, I love uh, what the uh, previous CMO uh, did throughout the, the years and the way that he constructed the, uh, the company and the way that he um, build the company or the organiza organizational structure uh, under him or with him, probably in this case, in a really unique manner. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was a CMO, I learned a lot from what um, um, uh, Slack's previous CMO did. Um, in the past few weeks, we are in, in, connect, we are in good contact with Slack themselves, with their team over there. We are creating some sort of unique integration. So you can see that uh, the DNA over there is nothing but amazing. It's really mm -hmm. amazing people, amazing stuff. They really um, a superhuman. You can say superhumanize, and you can really um, you can really appreciate them not just as a solution and great you know the great things that they do as far as related to growth and um, how they now rebranded a little bit or refresh the branding and created a beautiful site, but also the team itself, the DNA, what those people possess, and of course uh, deliver as key. Um, um, key proposition of their own company's DNA, which is amazing for me. Very cool. Jonathan? Yeah, first of all, I think the ones that, that uh, Jan mentioned are also the ones that I really like. I would like to add also at a different scale, but they're very interesting and they helped me learn a lot in the beginning is Buffer. I think that although they didn't become like, or didn't want to become a unicorn, um, the way that they did, you know, build their company, um, the way they should. I don't know if people are aware of it, but for example, all their um, sales KPIs are open to the crowd and through um, the, a, tool, a BI tool that uh, connects with the Stripe. So you can actually see how many people um, buy the product, churn, everything is transparent. I didn't know. Um, 
yeah, it's amazing. You can see everything in, in real time. Um, their, their company is like um, spread. There is no offices. Um, their, their CEO is, uh, I think, from Hawaii uh, managing things, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think it's really the new world, what they brought in, and it was quite some time ago, like they were really the visionaries there. Uh, so I really like the way that they, they did things. Although, again, they chose not to become a very big company. They're very happy in their niche and, and where they're going uh, towards. Uh, another one is MailChimp. I think they also, you know, kind of build their way through and in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. So these are, these are the kind of the ones I looked at and what their strategies were. Uh, we, we changed our product to be something that's less of what they're doing in terms of their acquisition and, and their, like, um, um, business uh, kind of um, plan, but uh, it was very interesting for me at the beginning to learn from those. Very cool, awesome. And one, two more questions. <laughs> what is <laughs> one um, book that you guys love? For me, it's easy. I'm uh, super dyslexic, uh, and I can't read. <laughs> and uh, I think the last book that I read was in. Um, when I was probably in, uh, I don't know, when I was uh, nine, or something like that. Uh, so that's, uh, that's easy for me. I mostly read uh, tons of articles each week from the okay. people who suggest content on, uh, on Zest. But with books, I just cannot make it. Yeah. So what is your favorite source of articles, if it's like a website? You know, it's um, I like to ask a uh, mother uh, which uh, son she loves most, but because we have a lot of great uh, resources. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think that uh, the best answer uh, from my end, um, you know, as a moderator in, in part of the moderators of the Tribe of Zest, um, it would be Medium. Okay. Medium as is, um, no, no specific publication over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a, a, a weak point as far as it relates to medium uh, content. Um, I love the, um, how people are getting very, and again, it's all about being authentic, you know, because it really speaks to me. Um, it's hard to find a lot of a, a tone of good content on medium, but once you follow the right people, um, and, and then, so then you can drill in a little bit deeper and you can find really amazing uh, content gems uh, over there, really in-depth kind of educative uh, marketing knowledge, for instance, or for interviews or whatever, whatever you want, whatever your niche is or profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just love it because it's so uh, varies from one to another. It's not like that you say you have the same tone of voice for a given publication, you know, um, if it's this blog or another. It's very um, eclectic uh, and I love it as a, someone that uh, is hard for him to, uh, to read and consume uh, content. So I love that it's so um, colorful and you have different kind of tone of voice and angles, how to tell a story or article structures, different sorts of creative and so on and so forth. So it's really, really speaks to me. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jonathan? So I, I knew Yam was dyslexic. I don't know if he knows I, was, I am. And, um, really? and that's kind of something we have in common. I don't read books. And the funny stories are more dyslexic in, in Hebrew than in English. So I, I write and read better in English than in Hebrew. Um, that's a, a different story. Um, so I, I'm unable to read more than a page like at a time. <laughs> I, lose, I lose interest. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's kind of, um, I, I don't read books. And I, I, like, 
I think when I read a book was like a, a kid's book when I was at first grade, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, in terms of content, um, one of the, of the people I like reading their content is called Andy Christodina. I hope I am pronouncing correctly his, um, his surname. Um, he has really good content in, in marketing mostly. Um, and there are many, many others, obviously, which I, you know, um, from the ones that are very known and from time to time I find the specific blogs that I really like. Um, I think, you know, this is a great um, resource for me as well. And um, I, I search a lot because I think that things change. I try to find, you know, not, not the ones that um, are necessarily the, the top influencers because what they're saying is kind of, for me at least, is repetitive, um, very repetitive to what things are, are and everyone are doing the same, so it's also not good to follow too much of what's been said out there by those influencers as a as a copy paste. It won't work. Uh, <laughs> what they're saying, they already they already did uh, five years ago, yeah. and if you try it, like it it will never be successful as they did it. So you need like to find the fresh new things, and and that's the hard part. But if you search correctly and you find the right tools, then you get there. Very cool. And one last question. Do you guys have any questions for me? Wow. Um, <laughs> let, I'll shoot. Like, um, so you, you didn't mention what size of your, your agency you're running, but you decided to take the podcast as obviously as one of the things that um, you think would bring like a lot of um, um, listeners and potentially customers, right? Um, how did you make that decision? Because the podcast is a, a lot of investment. So, yeah. and, and has it been successfully? How do you measure it? That's a great question. Um, essentially, as far as podcasts go and this, the decision that went into it, um, one of the SaaS founders I'm very, very close with, um, and one of the ones that I believe that I got engaged with um, very early on, his name is Jonathan Grisbowski. And he's the founder of Penji and he kind of, you know, I've, I've obviously podcasts have been around for a while and I've listened to them, but it never crossed my mind um, on how I could use a podcast for myself. And, and I had a very tough time, you know, when, cause I, I, I'm very passionate about SaaS companies and the ecosystem as a whole, and just the stories beside uh, the stories, you know, behind the companies, like, how do you even come up with these ideas? Um, and I always wanted to learn more about that. And then he had his own podcast, um, different podcast. Um, you know, he, he interviews entrepreneurs too, but not necessarily in the SaaS space. Um, he has a couple of others podcasts as well, but essentially I, I feel like one day, um, something just clicked and, and I could not, I couldn't get really get in touch with any founders in the SaaS space. Um, a lot of them like I'm sure you know this, but not a lot of them have like an email on the website or anything like that. Like you can't get in touch with anyone. Um, and, and I wanted to know how can I bring some value people, um, you know, get, get to know them on a personal level, understand a little bit more about what they do, how they came with their, how they came across their company. Um, and, and you know, how they're providing value to people as well. And then I thought, well, if I give them, you know, a channel, to kind of talk about themselves and, and put themselves out there, they're going to like that. Um, so they're going to be, they'll be open to being on the podcast with me. Um, and essentially that was really it. It was just an effective way to, to come in touch with more people like you guys. Um, and as far as how successful it's been, I, I feel 
you know, I think there's a couple of different ways to, to value the success of the podcast. And essentially, I think the most valuable thing that I've gained from this so far is really learning. Um, it's been far more, far more, I guess, educating um, than I thought it would be. I've learned a ton of things in, in a very short period of time. We're only, I believe this is podcast episode 19 or 20. Um, and I feel like within that time period, I've learned so many things to the point where I'm thinking of maybe even starting my own SaaS company. I have no idea what that would be. Uh, but I thought about it now, you know, and it, it just, you know, I don't know. It's just, that's, that's sort of, I think that's the most valuable thing I've gained so far. Um, I've also gotten a couple of clients off of it. Um, people are starting to recognize me. Um, I had one individual on Facebook reach out with a specific question and out of the blue, he asked me, are you the guy that's on the podcast that I've been seeing lately? I was like, yeah, that's me. And like, I, that was pretty cool. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those things, like I asked you earlier, what's one of the things that you feel very accomplished with. And, and you also mentioned, you know, taking note of the, the small wins too. Um, you know, not everything's going to be this astronomical um, win that you, I don't know, become the best company or anything like that. You have to make sure that you also take acknowledgement of everything that's happening that is going to lead up to something bigger. So I so think here, yeah, sorry for cutting in, but yeah, maybe you should have a separate section if you don't have already for podcasts on this. And, you know, people recommend podcasts and can listen to the best ones, right? Um, just go ahead and choose the podcast uh, stream over there. That's it. You got it. Yeah, I so, saw uh, it. You see, I, I, it's on there, right? You're I one step it. ahead. You're one step ahead. But yeah, I, I don't listen that much to podcasts because it, it's really time consuming. And I think yeah. that one, one of the challenges is knowing which podcast um, episode is good and which isn't. Like, yeah. uh, not all are the same. So maybe that's, again, you know, um, I know you have the, the ranking and everything. So maybe that's the way to, to find the good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's that's that, uh, we also discussed about it, right, uh, Luis? In the beginning, we said that the uh, podcast uh, or this specific format, unlike textual um, article, for instance, you cannot skim through it and to, to understand if it's good for you or not. Mm-hmm. You really must listen to it. You cannot uh, jump or fast forward, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, in, a, in, a, in a way, I understand why it, uh, it's time-consuming, uh, Jonathan. I'm not a huge podcast uh, listener as well. I think I listen probably one uh, to one podcast each two weeks or something like that while I'm working. Um, and I think that the, the way that you engage with it is very, uh, very remind me of uh, Zest. It's fine if you do the um, a Chrome Mutab extension because you really must have it. And then eventually you get used to it and you probably uh, want to continue to use it or not. But uh, for podcasts, it's the same. You really need in order to understand if there is a, any kind of added value for you over there to listen quite a lot then you're getting engaged, you know, it's all about the psychological kind of uh, a CRO element of what podcast is. So I, I understand why it's time consuming and I, I, you know, I know that for me it works and when I'm on the way home or the way to work, you know, on the train or stuff like that, so it works a little bit better. But um, yeah, I don't really understand why podcasts are good and why they're a little bit less suitable for other people. Yeah, it all, it all depends what kind of content you like to consume and, and how you yeah. want structure you know how you really take on any any valuable information i think um obviously there's that's a whole different talk but essentially i think that being being that it's so specific right it's SaaS founders i think that i hope that i am bringing value to you know people like yourself and people that are listening to whether 
it's someone that is just starting out their company and they hear specific things in the podcast that are going to help them make a better decision later down the road um, and things like that. It's, it's really, it's essentially all about bringing value to people. Um, yeah. Obviously, I enjoy doing it. So it's not like, you know, it's not like I'm sitting here wanting to get off or anything like that. It's, I'm, I enjoy talking to people like you guys. Um, so it's just, it, it's bringing value to me. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I'm not saying, and by the way, don't get me wrong. I, I do listen to podcasts, but I don't have um, the way home because um, I drive a motorbike. Um, so I can't listen to podcasts while I'm driving. Um, and Biam goes by the train, so he might have a bit uh, yeah. more opportunities when he's not working on the train. But but yeah. I think that what's missing out there is like, and maybe that's something to invest in, is kind of summarizing, not just um, getting a text out there. Some, you know, some use uh, the speech to text and stuff like that, but like summarizing what it's about, what you found valuable, mm-hmm. so people can skip in and read it and then decide if they want to invest or not. Um, and also SEO wise, I think, you know, it's a better way than just having it out there in the, and, you know, all those uh, podcast uh, listening tools. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, and I think, you know, one of the reasons why this isn't being done is because it's conversational. But what I try to do whenever I start sharing it on social media is kind of getting some bullet points of what was talked about. Um, obviously, I, I I don't want people to waste their time. So if they're not going to be interested in it, don't don't listen to it. But if you see that one mm-hmm. of those bullet points could be valuable to you, then by any means, you know, listen to it and, and hopefully you enjoy it. So exactly. That's all I can do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and eventually some podcasts are good and some are boring like him and myself. So, you know, putting things up front is a part of the transparency, right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no, no. It's a good one. <laughs> so I just wanted to thank you guys for being on here. It's been a pleasure. Um, and it's been obviously, it's been a whole journey, just the whole podcast. And I really appreciate um, the two of you taking the time out of your nights. I know it's later for you guys. So thank you very much for being on here. Um, for anyone that's watching, please subscribe if you like the content. If you got any sort of value from it, um, you can subscribe on, on pretty much YouTube, any other streaming platform as far as podcasts go, like Spotify, iTunes, and so on. And uh, if you're a SaaS founder, entrepreneur, or a CEO, or just want to learn more about pod, or not podcasts, but SaaS companies, make sure you join the group, SaaS Ad Lab. Just look that up and you should be able to find it. Um, guys, where can people find you online? Um, so I think that my uh, favorite social media network is probably uh, LinkedIn. So you can just uh, search for Yam Regev over there. But you can feel free to um, connect me wherever else on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, on email, it's uh, yam.zes.is. If you want my phone number, you can give me my phone number as well. <laughs> <laughs> for, all the, for all the ladies out there, and don't quote yeah. me on that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, same, same here. I actually removed my Facebook app from my um, mobile uh, uh, two months ago. Same I decided here. it was uh, a waste of time. I only open my Facebook twice a day at work, usually. So the only place to find me besides my email is on LinkedIn, and I'm there quite a lot. I, I think LinkedIn for B2B is starting to get to a better position in some cases and more engagement and more relationships, true relationships, and less automation as much as I would hope it would be and um, so yeah find me Jonathan Smirat, um, on LinkedIn or through ClickUp on LinkedIn very easy cool and we'll post all those links on the description of the video and in the podcast as well so again you can find me guys on Instagram that's really like one I use the most as well as LinkedIn 
just look up Camacho.ftm on Instagram and also Phantom.agency on Instagram. We're starting to be a little bit more active on Twitter, but it's it's a struggle. Uh, we're working on that. So, <laughs> so that's one of the things we're working on. Um, but yeah, it, thank you so much, guys, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I challenge every single one of you to and anyone that's listening to go and take action um, on whatever it is that you want to accomplish in life. Um, life's short, so make the most of it. Definitely. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks very much for the time. Of course. Thank you.